Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. Because it happens other places. We, uh, my daughters were out on Friday night with some of the young people in church carol singing. But for years we have gone round, uh, just some of the older folk in church carol singing and what have you. So they were out on Friday night. But I remember years ago we went out one night. I don't know if you were there, David. But... Um, we started singing Silent Night, and as soon as we started, I'm nudging the boy beside me saying, we're in trouble here, we are definitely in trouble. And I got to the sleep, it was like, you know, the earth being let out of a balloon, it was grim. And whoever it was in the door, they were smiling away. I don't know whether it was part of it, they were sort of thinking, I wish they would go away, these young people, this is horrific. But anyway, it's nice to be with you. I don't know if you're counting or you realise, but it's only 13 sleeps until Christmas. Janet, are you not excited about that? It's it's very exciting. This is, which to get you to sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Are you now by a humbug or something? No, this, it's an exciting, it's a great, Christmas is a wonderful time. So it's 13 sleeps and um, people will be compiling lists of what you need for Christmas, what sort of makes your Christmas and uh, asking Alexa to, you know, put Brussels sprouts or cranberry or whatever it is on your shopping list to make sure you've got all the essentials that you need for Christmas Day. The things at Christmas wouldn't be the same without. And there's a wee picture, uh, Daniel, I don't know if you can put that up. This, this appears at this time of the year, every time on Christmas. Um, wouldn't be the same without mom and her big bin bag. So I grew up in the Scrabble estate and for us, Christmas was chaotic. I have an older brother, two older sisters. So Christmas Day, it was just chaos in terms of unwrapping. I mean, just there was stuff everywhere. And then my sister, who has two boys, uh, even to this day, probably, I mean, they're now, Stuart's in his early 30s, Daniel Hink's 30. It, when you go on Christmas morning, it's just chaos. There's stuff everywhere. So that, that was my Christmases growing up. We just, the, the stuff was there, and we just ripped off the paper, and the paper was all over the show, and empty boxes and all the rest of it. And then I got married, and uh, Heidi's parents lived in Bangor. So Bangor's a wee bit more upmarket, of course, than, you know, than Newton Arts and what have you. So I remember the first Christmas there, and first thing that was a bit strange for me, everybody just all sat around. So Heidi, her uh, mum and dad, her brother and me, everyone's all sitting around, and you take turns to open your, your presents. Now, part of that is horrific from the point of view, everybody watches when you're opening, the, you know, to see your reaction. So even if it's something you don't want, you oh, that's, that's just what I needed, that's great, just lying through your teeth. But at the same time, you know, somebody has got the bin bag, and as soon as you take the paper off, it goes in the, it's the most ordered opening of presents ever. Now, of course, we now do that in our house, and I'm the one getting the bin bag. But it sort of got me thinking a wee bit, you know, that wee slide, it just, it, it comes up. If you're on social media, it'll appear a lot. You know, Christmas wouldn't be the same without. And if I was to ask you that question, you know, you'll have all different ideas and concepts of it. Uh, I got a new computer recently, so I was trying to transfer a lot of stuff from the old computer onto my new computer. And I was, there's I have a wee folder Christmas. I didn't want to lose that uh, because uh, I use lots of that stuff, obviously. And I came across this wee video. <clears throat> I recorded this in 2019, just before uh, the first lockdown. Isn't that right? Isn't that when that was? It was, yeah. Just before the first lockdown. And it was for a message I was uh, doing somewhere else. But it's, it's people in Scrabble, the church I go to, but it's a lot of teachers from local schools. So some of you may recognize some of the teachers. And I just said to them, what would Christmas not be the same without? And it's just recording their responses. So Daniel will show this to us. Last about two minutes, maybe. And then I'll say something about that. Thanks, Daniel. 
Christmas dinner. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without raspberry and white chocolate scones from Knott's on Christmas morning. It wouldn't be the same without the Christmas morning service. That's a tradition that we wouldn't like to do without. I think traditions are the big thing to remember this year. Uh, and family and friends who are scattered throughout the country and throughout the world. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without family and carols. Family around the tree and the table to enjoy being with. Santa. Family. Family. Jesus. Decorating the cake on Christmas Eve. Terry's chocolate orange. My uncle's mother's sherry trifle. American pumpkin pie. Cheese board for brunch. Cocktail sausages. Or man United Santa. Christmas dinner at my mum's. Family, friends and my fur babies. Family. Knowing the Christ of Christmas and that I have a personal relationship with him. Lots of food. Glen Torren feel and feel on Boxing Day. My mummy's Christmas stuffing. My family, but my son will be in Australia this Christmas. The world's stopping for a while. My mum's Christmas dinner. Santa. Quality Street. Tunnock's tea cakes. The big son home. Family. Speaking to family or seeing them on Christmas Day. Family and friends. Jesus. My family. Playing board games on Christmas Day. Jesus in the manger. Christmas carols. Family and friends. Christmas carols. Giving out presents. Mince pies and Christmas carols. Turkey. Family and playing games like this. School nativities and a carol service. There you go. Little did we know that at that stage how much actually there would be stripped away uh, even a year later. My favourite, uh, so if you know her, there's a lady on there, Joyce um, Gamble. She's the lady that went, Santa. She's excited, wasn't she? <laughs> but it is interesting when you say to people, you know, what would Christmas not be the same without sort of our frame, uh, our frame of reference? Um, a lot of people said family. Now, bearing in mind, this was recorded just before all the restrictions came in. I think it's interesting that for a lot of people, when they think of this time of the year, that is, that's the big thing. And actually it has become, of course, even more significant, hasn't it? Uh, whenever we haven't been able to see family quite so much. I find that interesting that a lot of people said that idea of family. Ivan, give me a hand for one second. I think I showed you this wee thing one time before, but uh, you know these wee things that get you just, if you come and stand there, just, you know these things that give you, an, yeah, you know these things that give you an electric shock? Yeah, th this isn't one of those, so you're all right. <laughs> so th this is a wee thing, it's, it's a circuit. So if you, your left hand, that's that one there. If you, if you, if you, so if you hold the end of that, Ivan, nothing happens, okay? Because it, it's designed to form a circuit, okay? So if, if we stand like that all night or if we swap hands, nothing will happen. But even if you just hold your finger right in, even if Ivan just holds his finger and touches my finger with it, what happens is the circuit is complete and it sort of makes it work. So every time, we do that, and the circuit is complete. This wee thing works, and every time it's, it's broken, it doesn't. So we could do that all night. In fact, we could probably make a whole night. We'll not do it, because we're not lying, of course. Thank you, Ivan. You can have these. Uh, that, that's the way it's designed. It's designed for connection. And I think the reason a lot of people said 
Christmas wouldn't be the same without family. It's because we're made for connection. And actually, of course, we're made by God for connection. Now, a lot of people will, will discount that and say, well, it's just nice to be with your family. It's nice to have food together. Well, the reason people, I think probably most people said that and relate to that, is because we are made for connection. We're made for relationship. We're made for community. And that is by God. It's not something we have just decided upon, not something we've made up. And actually, I think it's probably part of the reason why so many people have struggled over the last 18 months or thereabouts when that has been stripped away. Because God designed us for relationship. God is a God of relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect relationship. And then created Adam. And what was one of the first things he said? It's not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve and there was that relationship. God is a God of community, of family, of relationship. That is how God has designed us. Um, that's a little aside, but I think it's significant when so many people say family, that you know, we wonder why, well, God made us. It was his initiative, his design. And when I first started to think about that concept, you know, Christmas wouldn't be the same without. Now, I am not hyper-spiritual. Those of you who know me will be nodding your heads <laughs> while you're doing it like this internally, but yeah, well, no, Glenn, you're not. But I'll be honest, when that wee thing flashes up on Facebook, the, you know, the, the bin bag thing, and when I think about this idea, Christmas wouldn't be the same without. For me, it, there's a lot of things I could answer. But if I was to drill down to the core of it, and somebody said it there, actually a couple of people, Christmas wouldn't be the same without Jesus. And we live in a society and in a culture that is actually trying to remove him from every aspect. But Christmas wouldn't be the same without Jesus. I have a friend that goes to uh, Scrabble and a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now, two or three years ago, his company were doing, like a lot of companies do at this time of the year, were doing charity work at Christmas time. So they like to get involved in a local charity. Uh, so they, they were doing donations and collections and they went along to a charity shop that this particular charity, I can't remember which one it was, uh, they were helping out with. And one of the jobs they were given was to sort out all the Christmas decorations. So obviously what happens, people get to the end of December and the January and they sort their Christmas decorations and one they're a wee bit tatty or broken, put them in a bag, give it to the charity shop. So they were sorting out the Christmas decorations. And as they started to do that, somebody said, this was the instruction that came from the charity, if you find anything with any religious connotations, just put that in the bin and keep the other stuff. Now that's interesting, isn't it? But actually, I suppose in a sense that is what society does. You know, that's half Christmas. It wouldn't be the same without, you know, sprouts or movies or this or that or whatever. But anything to do with Jesus, that's, that's been that because that's nothing really to do with my Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, it says, While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And it's interesting for me that in 2021, that is still the reality in many people's lives. There's no room for Jesus. There's all this other stuff. Now, I love all the other stuff, if I'm honest with you. And I'm excited that there's only 13 sleeps until Christmas. I love Christmas. And I love everything that goes with it. I hope to finish uh, Thursday week, Thursday or Friday week, Christmas Eve, and then take off a week or so. And I just love that. For me, this time of the year is quite busy, intense, pressured. And just having that week of being at home and just getting up when I feel like getting up and going for a dander or watching something on the TV. And I love all of that stuff. But for society and culture at large, 
without being too pessimistic, I think a lot of them will say it's just about that and there's no room for Jesus. That was 2,000 years ago at the first Christmas and I would suggest that not a lot has changed for many people. Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is God's planet. We are his people. We're his design, his creation. And Christmas is the fulfillment of an unfolding story, God's promise that Messiah would come, that a rescuer would come. And what I want to do is just look very briefly at the four, or the opening lines of the four Gospels. And for me as a Christian, I, I find this tremendously encouraging and really important to sort of draw my mind back to what Christmas is all about. And for those that are not Christians, this is important to realize this is what Christmas is. So Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1 starts, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And even in that, you see God's plan from the very creation of the world to that moment in Bethlehem when Jesus would be born. And Matthew, that first uh, lot of verses, 16 verses or so of Matthew, are not often read. People will read Luke chapter 2 or Isaiah chapter 9 in carol services and nativity plays. Matthew 1 isn't often read, probably largely because who wants to try and pronounce all those names that are in there? But also just because it's a, just a list of names. But actually, when you look at that, and when you see God's unfolding plan for this world, I find that exciting. And the other, find, the other thing I find exciting about that is you look at the people that are mentioned in there. And we have this idea sometimes that I'm not good enough for God. I can never be good enough, so I'm not going to bother. Well, do you know what? You're half right. You're not good enough. None of us are good enough. But rather than sort of say, I'm not good enough, I'll forget about it. Appreciate and realize like what probably most of us done. I'm not good enough. He accepts me as I am in grace. But when you look at some of the people that are in there, there's four women that are mentioned in this genealogy particularly. And I've been using... Um, a wee Advent Christmas reading book by Sinclair Ferguson. It's been brilliant. It's been a real blessing. But three or four days ago, he highlighted these four women that are mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. So you have Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Uriah. Tamar gave birth to her father-in-law's twins. So what a mixed-up relationship that was. What a, a mixed-up woman. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a Moabitess. And the Moabites and their heirs were permanently barred from Israel. And then Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, was the one that David committed adultery with. And all four of those women appear in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus. What a gracious God we have that he doesn't look at us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our fallenness, in our mistakes, and say, you know what? I can't use you. What a gracious God we have that he says, you know what? I am going to actually put you in this lineage of Christ. I mean, that is incredible. And that's the first thing I think to realize. We have a God of grace, a God of compassion, a God of forgiveness, a God of mercy. And for those of us that are Christians, we do well to remember that. And whatever long you've been a Christian for, don't forget you're only in relationship with God because of his grace, because he accepts you. And one of the things I love about the Bible, it's not perfect people. If people were doing this today, they would Instagram it with filters and have it so that it was picture perfect. But it's not, it's flawed, broken people. 
because that's who we are. But praise God, that is who he accepts and that's who he uses, even in the genealogy where Jesus would one day come from. Flawed, broken people, not good enough on our own merit, but praise God in his mercy, he accepts us. He withholds his punishment from us and lavishes his love and his mercy and his grace on us. So Christmas isn't the same without Christ because it was God's unfolding plan and he used all of these people, all flawed, broken people, to bring about the birth of his son. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. I think this has become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Mark 1, verse 1 says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All the other gospels take time to nearly sort of paint the scene, set the story. It, it seems to me that Mark can't wait. He's so excited. <laughs> he just launches straight in there. This is the beginning of the gospel. And then bump, he's straight in there talking about the life of Jesus. Gospel means good news. Not just sort of any old good news. This is life-changing, future-altering, world-altering news about the person of Christ. It's the best news ever. And again, at this time of the year, we're not just talking about something that happened a couple of thousand years ago that was quite nice. We're talking about an event that radically changes everything. It's the most significant event in human history. The advent that God would send his son Jesus to the world. We were challenged in Scrabble this morning. Norman Macaulay, who's the minister in Regent Street, or Greenwood Street Presbyterian Church, was saying about, you know, if you go to work tomorrow morning and someone says, what did you do over the weekend? Try and put aside the temptation to say, oh, well, you know, watch the football or watch the rugby or, you know, watch the movie or whatever. If somebody asks you, what did you do yesterday morning? He said, tell them that you were with God's people, <laughs> that you were at church, that you were thinking about Christ, that you were thinking about the love of God that he would send Jesus to die on a cross. Now, he says they might never ask you again. <laughs> but if someone asks you that, why not share that? Why wouldn't we? This is the best news ever. It's the gospel. It's good news. It's life-changing news. And even though our culture and our society is becoming increasingly hostile to it, let's not be ashamed to share it. Let's not be ashamed to live it out. Because that is the only thing that will bring about a change in people's lives. There's nothing more powerful than personal testimony, as you've seen already in that video clip, about the work of God in your life. And you might think, well, it's not very exciting. Well, let me tell you it is. Because you were a sinner heading for hell until you met Christ, and now you're heading for heaven. And it's only through his grace and his mercy. The beginning of the gospel. And Mark goes on to account the life of Christ, the words that he said, the things that he did, his death, burial, resurrection, and how he empowered his early disciples the gospel, the good news. Let's be excited about sharing that. And if you don't know him yet, I would encourage you to embrace it because see whatever news you hear, it will not come close to this great news, this life-changing, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Christmas isn't the same without Christ because it's a celebration of his birth leading to his death, burial, resurrection, and our relationship with him. And let me tell you, that is good news. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. <clears throat> Many have undertaken to draw up account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to, those, to us by those from the first who were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account of 
for you, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke gives the content and the reason for the rest of his gospel account. And he goes on to record that pronouncement to the angels that you will hear if you haven't already heard. Luke chapter 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born, Christ the Lord. Christmas wouldn't be the same without Christ because it's clearly recorded in the Gospels by people who were there and witnessed it firsthand and had their lives radically changed. I was sharing with the young people in Scrabble on Friday night, our junior YF, which is first to third year, about what First John. Uh, and I just love, let me read that to you, actually. I've, uh, I've tried many years to read through the Bible in a year and often failed. And uh, I think I'm confident enough now to boast about it because there's so little days left. I'm going to achieve it. But I was reading this just last week. First John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. I just love that John was talking about not a concept, an idea, something that somebody had said to him. He was talking about a personal experience of Christ. And I was encouraging the young people that it's not enough to have parents who are Christians as much as a blessing that that is, or grandparents who are Christians, or to come along to church. It's, it's your own faith. It's your personal, individual faith. That's what John wrote about. He said, we, we were there. We, we witnessed him. We saw him. We touched him. He radically changed our lives. And that's what Luke starts off here, recounting, recording the account of Jesus. And again, let me encourage you here tonight who know him, how exciting that he would reveal himself to us so that we can say, maybe not physically, but we can say, I met Christ. He completely changed my whole thought process. He's changed radically my life. I've experienced him in my heart as Savior and Lord and Master. And Luke accounts that. So Christmas isn't the same without Christ because it's his birth, which is good news of joy for everyone. And then finally, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christmas isn't the same without Christ because he was there, co-author of this amazing world that we live in. Father, Son, and Spirit in the beginning, speaking, bringing about this world that we live in and that we joy, enjoy. And then, again, one of the most outstanding verses in all of Scripture and one that will be read a lot at this time of the year, but will go over people's heads. John 1.14, the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The message translation of that verse says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. I mean, that's staggering, isn't it? The word became flesh. God is not disinterested. God is not distant. God sent Jesus here to be involved in the mess and filth and brokenness of our world. To speak into that, to be alongside people, to talk to people, to embrace people, and to radically change lives. Ultimately, to go to a cross and die for our sins. To be buried and to rise again. And as we celebrate Christmas... I hope for all of us, me included, even after I give this message, I hope I don't get caught up in all this stuff again, as much as I love it. And I hope I don't allow the next week or so to just fly past because I'm panicking now about stuff that I need to get. My wife had the 
in decency of having a birthday on Friday coming of this week, 17th. I mean, why have a birthday so close to Christmas? It's just inappropriate. <laughs> so I'm thinking about that and getting, you know, what we're going to get her for that. Of course, I love her, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to do that. But, uh, <laughs> oh, genuine, did that seem sarcastic? <laughs> but there's so much that crams into our brains, isn't there? And if we're not careful, we allow all of that stuff to take the place of this great truth of the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. But and no matter how much I think about this, I cannot get my brain around. The word didn't just become flesh and blood and move into our neighborhood. The word takes up residence in our heart through his spirit. That is a staggering truth of Christmas. The Holy Son of God would take up residence in the mess and nonsense and filth and arrogance of my life it's staggering but that's what happens and that's what has happened to you already if you've trusted him and my prayer would be for all of us we we would acknowledge christ isn't the same or christmas isn't the same without christ someone famously said christmas without christ is just m&s and as much as i love their wee sort of party food particularly the wee cranberry puffs it's i mean what is it filth nonsense <laughs> rubbish you take Christ out of Christmas. And let me encourage you to embrace him anew again this year as your Savior, as your Lord, to give him the place that he deserves, not just lip service, but the very core of who you are and what you believe and what you do. And that we would confidently say to people, do you know what? Christmas wouldn't be the same without Christ because he's my Savior, he's my Lord, he's my master, he's my friend, he's my guide, he's my hope, he's my joy, he's my redemption. You could go on and on and on, couldn't you? And I pray that those of you who know him and live for him will have, but also will take opportunity to share with people around you. And it's uncomfortable, I know that. But it's the only hope that this world has got. And what's a bit of embarrassment every now and again when people laugh at us and maybe mock us? So take these opportunities for the glory of his name and share them. Could I ask you to pray particularly for one thing? Um, next Monday night, we're doing a carol service, which I've arranged uh, at Arch Rangers in their, in their sort of ground. They have great facilities. They invited me a couple of years to go, uh, go to be their club chaplain, uh, which has been interesting. But I suggested having a carol service, and they're, they're really excited about it. But I'm slightly nervous about some of the things. I'm sort of saying, you know, it's a carol service, a carol service. So I got a text from one of the girls that plays in the ladies' team. She says, I'll do a solo and I can't decide between hallelujah and rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing. Anyways, quite a, quite a diverse thing. But there's going to be, there will be some sort of contemporary stuff like that in it, but carols, and I'll have an opportunity to bring a message at it as well. So do, if you remember, it's next, uh, next Monday night at seven o'clock. Do pray for that opportunity. There'll be lots of people there who will never go to anything probably. Uh, but it's a good opportunity for me uh, to share with them, but also just to get a wee bit more involved in, in the club and their life. So uh, keep those in your prayers. And there's lots of things. Let's be praying about this time of the year that God will uh, use it for his glory and lives will be radically changed. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.